Hey guys, welcome to Sessions with Beth Wiley. Uh, this is episode five, and I thought since we just celebrated Father's Day yesterday, it would be a really good time to talk about the transition to parenthood. You know, the transition to parenthood is, I believe, one of the most challenging transitions that any two people can go through. You know, there is uh, a lot of research out there on this, um, and we're going to kind of follow the research of doctors John and Julie Gottman. Now, I do a Gottman therapy in my practice with couples, and so I follow the research that they have done on couples and then have taken that and applied it into that transition to parenthood. And they started doing this because they so funnily say um, that after they had their daughter and they were like, why are the the hospital people just letting us take this baby home? <laughs> we have no idea what to do. And they got home and they, they kind of started freaking out. And they said, well, what did they give us? You know, and they're trying to find anything that tells them how to deal with this. So typically when somebody gets pregnant, say we're just going to go with a couple who is married and you get pregnant. And there's so much excitement around it. And then the research starts. Now, the research that parents often do is that they will read all of the baby books. And by we, I mean the mom <laughs> will read all of the baby books um, on maybe sleep. Um, they're going to read um, the book or now it's probably more on um, on apps of, you know, what to expect when expecting. You know, I remember checking my app every day and seeing, you know, what fruit size is my baby? Is it a grape? <laughs> is it a uh, an apple? Um, you know, just really looking at that and what is happening um, with the baby that is growing inside of me? What is that? Are the, is the hair starting to grow or the eyes starting to develop and being really focused on that? Um, we agonized over what we were going to name our first, my second, I already had the name picked out. Um, but what were we going to name this baby? And I know there can be arguments over this and, you know, um, do we go with a family name? Do we go with a different name? How are we going to spell the baby's name? Um, we sign up for and we participate in those birthing classes, which are amazing, yet very scary. <laughs> they tell us what's about to happen to our body. Um, so we sign up for those and, and hopefully and possibly um, classes on, on if you're going to breastfeed and how, how that's happening and what the challenges with breastfeeding are. Um, but very few couples actually think about what that transition is going to do to the marriage, how it is going to affect the marriage. You know, there's a lot of fantasy and unrealistic expectations on that this baby is going to just bring us together as a couple. Um, and we're just gonna just have this amazing life with this new baby, help mend something that has gone um, wrong in the relationship. Um, and unfortunately, that doesn't happen, or it is very rare that that happens. Some ways that I often describe um, that transition is like a bomb is about to get dropped on your house, you know, um, and you don't have the time or energy to clean that bomb up. <laughs> You know, I have had friends because I am a therapist. 
um, have asked me after they've had um, their first child, they've said, um, Beth, <laughs> how do I not hate my husband? And that is common. Um, that is something I hear mostly from friends, um, but I do hear it from clients as well. You know, so what happened? How did we get here? You know, because it didn't happen right after the baby was born. Usually this this feeling of not feeling connected or, you know, quote unquote, hating your partner um, didn't happen right after the birth of the baby. So let's like take it back a little bit. First thing that happened is there's a lot of trauma to a woman's body after she gives birth. Um, trauma that she isn't afforded the time um, to take care of. Um, it is you have the baby and boom, right? So vaginal births, there is ripping, there is cutting, there is tearing, there is pain. Um, you probably pushed for hours, <laughs> potentially. You're exhausted. And then here's a baby right on your chest right away. And now you're off and feeding and nursing and changing. Um, and so you don't have the time. It's not like anyone just says, you know what, I'm going to take your baby <laughs> and I'm going to care for your baby for like three weeks. Um, why don't you rest and recover? And then when you're ready and energized, here you go. Nope, that doesn't happen. If you have a cesarean section, um, as, as I did, um, or cesarean, I guess I should say, you can hardly move, right? You've had a major surgery, um, all while being awake, um, by the way, which is completely crazy. Um, and then, you know, you have a little recovery time, and then here comes the baby. Now, I remember not being able to get my children out of um, the kind of bassinet at the hospital to pick them up when they started crying. So I had to rely on my husband. And sometimes my husband was sleeping. I remember having to throw a bag of chips at him in the hospital because he didn't hear the baby cry and I could not physically get the baby out um, to take care of her. So that's initially, I would say, <laughs> can be sometimes where it started, right? It is, there's, you know, there was nothing he had to do um, physically in order to have this baby, yet he's sleeping. And that is, I think, how these little resentments can start to, to build up. So we have the body trauma, right? And then we, again, we don't have the time to rest and recover. We have a very short amount of time in the hospital um, and then we're sent home. And now we're supposed to figure this out. And, you know, it, the burden often falls on mom, right? The baby's crying. And I've heard a lot of dads ask, what am I supposed to do? And they're looking to the mom. Like, and if you, this is both of your first child, like, I, I don't know where again. <laughs> Resentment will come in if only one person read some books that might address some of these things um, that are coming up, right? Why isn't the baby sleeping? What are some options? You know, maybe you've read a certain sleep book and there's the five S's or certain swaddling techniques. And so again, resentment will start to be built. Well, if you would have read those books, maybe you would have more of an idea or the resentment of why am I automatically the one um, that should know this stuff. We, you know, are both new to this. We're both trying to figure this out. So we have that going on. Um, and now again, we are retired, we're starting to get very sleep deprived, and then we're just expected to do a whole lot more. Um, so we have that. We also have anxiety. Postpartum anxiety is huge. It's not very often talked about. I mean, it, we hear about postpartum depression, um, 
which is very serious and and happens to a lot of people it actually also happens to a lot of um, fathers as well not that is not very um, often discussed but postpartum anxiety right i remember my son was born you know three and a half or so weeks early um and pretty small you know in the five pound range and i thought that his nostrils were so small that air was not going to get through them so i did not sleep for the entire hospital stay because about every probably three minutes i would ask my husband if he was still breathing or i would check to make sure he was still breathing because i thought there is absolutely no way that air is getting through those nostrils i was also afraid to take him outside once we got home i thought the air particles would attach to his precious little body face and uh somehow harm him so i'm dealing with (laughs) this level of anxiety which can very often lead to um control needing to control um needing things to be a certain way and to be done a certain way mostly my way um so that i could have some alleviation of that anxiety and i wasn't realizing that this was something I could have potentially gotten some help for. I was just kind of suffering and struggling on my own um, and building resentment because if things weren't done my way, then I was getting very frustrated um, with my partner. You know, we also have very different temperaments when it comes to babies. You know, some babies um, come home and and sleep (laughs) miraculously. No problems, not a lot of crying eat just fine, burp when they're supposed to, um, you know, just kind of follow this, this really amazing path. And then you have the babies who don't sleep at all, who cry all the time, who need to only, can only sleep when laying on top of you, um, potentially have a lot of acid reflux. Maybe they have colic, maybe they have all of those things. And then you could potentially have a mother who is, um, dealing with postpartum anxiety or depression, Um, and having a hard time tending to the baby's needs and feeling a lot of frustration um, towards the baby and the baby's needs happening as well. Um, So we have that (laughs) going on. And again, we're tired. And we didn't expect this to happen. And we're kind of like, how are we getting through this? And all of the attention is on baby, you know, uh, complete, how do I make sure this child survives and or focusing on how can I get some sleep and then we go into competition who's doing more who's getting more sleep who's who's handling more baby issues whose life's changed more you know there is kind of this thing that we talk about in the therapy room um, where the mom will often say I feel like my life has completely changed and my husband's hasn't. And there's various factors in there, right? I mean, we can talk all different systems or different scenarios. Um, but for for uh, for the sake of right now, we can talk about a father who goes back to work really right away. You know, paternal leave in this country isn't fabulous. Um, and so some, some dads might go back to work. Maybe they have the baby on a Friday and they're back to work on a Monday. Now that doesn't happen very often, but it can. So they're back to work. They're talking to other human beings, um, adult human beings, having intellectual conversations where the mom is really kind of isolated at home um, and not talking to anybody 
And if you're home with a baby who cries a lot um, and you're not getting a lot of sleep at night and then maybe you're up in the day trying to get things done, maybe you're trying to get housework done, um, laundry done, um, cooking done, just trying to catch up on stuff or just trying to be feel human and not resting in those times then you're just perpetuating this very exhaustive cycle and you can start to have conversations and arguments in your own head with your partner um about the fact that you're home doing all of the all of the stuff while they're off having you know a nice lunch with some customers or clients um having conversation with coworkers, you know coming home five six o'clock at night um and and then having a nice sleep (laughs) so you know we have we're dealing with that this competition factor can start to come in as well now we also have the scenario where both parents go back to work um and now who's getting up with the baby some couples navigate this very well but again if there is nursing happening um you know the mom's going to be the one doing the lion's share because she's nursing um Sometimes pumping can be really hard. I mean, there's all kind of factors that can come in here and every situation is different, but what tends to be the same is the competition, right? Regardless of two, two working parent households, one working, one stay at home, um, part-time, full-time, more maternity leave, more paternity leave, the end of the day, the same argument of competition is what tends to come up um, with a lot of couples. And that's something we need to really start to work through that it isn't a competition and we need to have conversations around how do we make this feel more balanced? What do we need? And the problem here is that we don't have a lot of time, right? Um, And so these conversations aren't happening. We're expecting someone to read our mind and to just start doing them. And when they don't, we're frustrated or we're feeling something, but we don't bring it up because we don't have time. We're kind of tired. Who wants to get into a conversation where there's going to be conflict, you know? So these aren't happening. And so we push them down, we push them down, and then we unload and unleash. Um, And that happens a lot, which is often kind of a point where some people start to come into therapy. (laughs) They're like, we just got in this giant fight. And when we unravel everything, we recognize that there have been some of these feelings going on for a while and they just haven't been talked about. We do also have a situation where moms will play gatekeeper. You know, uh, like I was saying, I had a lot of anxiety, so there were things I wanted to be done a certain way. And if they weren't done that way, I would correct my husband. You know, I would say, well, that's not the way he likes to be rocked. You know, I, I, I bounce on the ball five times. I twist him six times back and forth. <laughs> like I had a very specific way to get him to go to sleep. And if I would see my husband doing it a different way and I would hear the baby cry, I would come in and, and potentially rescue. Okay, so we got to talk about that. We got to stop doing that because <laughs> then they're not going to help. If every time they try to help, we come in and try to rescue the situation and basically tell them you're not doing it right. Well, then that doesn't feel good. And then they won't offer as much. And then later on, we'll be resentful because they're not helping. So I do remember not liking to give baths because, again, my son was very small. I was afraid he was going to slip out of my hands. I had all these fears. And so very early on, my husband was the one who gave the baths. And I would just kind of leave <laughs> like the whole time. I would There was no reason for me to be in there. Um, I would come help at the end because we used to blow dry our son <laughs> with the blow dryer. And I would put a, a towel in the dryer so he would be warm. I know. Ridiculous. That's what you do when you have a first child. 
So I learned very early on and it was something I had heard about was the gatekeeper. And so I know that I did it and I also know that I worked hard not to, but I see it happen in a lot of the relationships that I work with. And, you know, when a dad does try to step in and help out, he's often told he's not doing it the right way. And we really need to allow fathers or the other member of the partnership um, space, you know, to do it their way. You know, it might look different than yours and it might take longer or shorter or whatever, but there needs to be success on their end because if they are feeling success, then they're going to want to do it. You know, and if you really can't handle the baby crying or if it's, then go away leave the house, go outside, but don't stand over their shoulder watching, you know, because it isn't creating the connection between, you know, the other partner and the child, and it isn't helping them gain any sort of confidence, which is really important. You know, again, I want to reiterate this, is that we are all, when we have babies, doing so much more with so much less. Less sleep, less patience, less energy, uh, less time, (laughs) but we have added to our load a tremendous, tremendous amount, um, of, of work and, um, you know, like brain space, how much time we're, we're spending thinking about everything, right? Like Dr. Google was my best friend when I first had my son. I was, you know, Googling all the different colors of poop because he was having, you know, everyone, they go through the stages of colors and then there's seeds in it. And is that okay? And (laughs) just literally everything. Um, And so a lot of my brain space is taken up with that. What school is he going to go to? Who are his friends going to be? You know, on and on and on. There is a higher expectation on women um, to just kind of take, take, charge with the baby may you know same thing when I talked about um uh I'm trying to say here um when
you know, and if you take the gatekeeping a little further into um, feeling like you can't leave your children with your partner um, because they won't know what to do. And if you gatekeep all the time, then they probably don't know what to do because they haven't been given the opportunities. Um, you know, and a lot of moms will be like, okay, make sure they have all the binkies. Let me write out the five page. Um, <laughs> here's how you do anything that should happen. If any problem arises, here's how you handle it. There's food in here. You know, it's kind of like, let them figure it out. If you have a problem, call me. If it's that big of a deal, right? But I promise you for the most part, they're going to figure it out. You know, and dad isn't babysitting. <laughs> he's not, he's taking care of his children. And I promise you when he goes out with those children anywhere to the grocery store, to the park, anywhere, he will get from other women, men, grandparents, everyone. Oh, look at you, super dad. <laughs> so get ready for that. Um, when all they're doing is doing what often moms do all the time. And nobody's calling me super mom when I take both my children to the store. I can tell you that. <laughs> so that can get frustrating as well. Um, role division, like I said, can be an issue and something to talk about. Bids for connection aren't happening as often. Again, because we're tired. Um, sex, not happening as much. And, you know, like I said, body trauma. Six weeks is what a doctor will say, but six weeks might not be when a woman is ready, um, physically and or mentally, um, emotionally, any of it. I mean, we're having, we're literally, our body is being used as a feeding source for another human. Um, and it's hard to then turn that off into let me be the sexy mom, not even sexy mom. What am I talking about? Sexy wife. Um, and so that can be really hard. You know, that connection's not happening. And a lot of men, uh, will say they need that connection in order to then connect emotionally. And so what I tell couples that come in is emotional connection needs to come right away. That's something you have to work on. You have to be talking about how, how are you? How did you sleep last night? Not, you know, how did the baby sleep? That's great. But how did you sleep? Because maybe the baby slept, but maybe mom didn't. Or the parent, you know, how did, how did you sleep? How are you, how are you feeling? How are you adjusting? You know, sometimes I hear moms say, like, I, I'm not enjoying this. I thought I was really going to enjoy being a parent, and I, I don't. I mean, I love my, my kid, but I'm really not enjoying a lot of what's coming with this. I'm not enjoying playing with my child. I'm not enjoying um, taking care of. I just feel exhausted and overwhelmed, and it isn't the greatest thing that ever happened to me as some people have said and if their partner isn't asking them then they're kind of holding that in they have nowhere for that to go and it's important that we have that emotional connection um, and keep that emotional connection very strong right out of the gate right after that baby is born um, you know then physical will come back but if there's no emotional connection happening and then all of a sudden it's expected that the physical connection should just be there um, that's going to be hard it's hard for then the woman to be like, okay, yeah, you haven't asked me how I am in the last six weeks, but now that we have the doctor's approval, you're ready to connect with me. And we got to work on that. You know, recognizing that your life is going to change. You know, I was talking to a couple recently and he's very active and likes to do a lot of stuff, but he also has a very busy um, work and um, he's a business owner and he can't leave early. I mean, there's all these things, right? So he's 
very busy work schedule. He likes to do a lot of activities. And so I said, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out to you, but like your life's about to change. <laughs> and I think it's really important that you know that right now. And you have some realistic expectations um, for what's going to be able to get done. You know, stuff will come back. Kids become more independent and can handle things um, by themselves. And, you know, once kids get older, you know, either, either parent feels more comfortable taking care of, of the kids by themselves. Um, but right when the baby's born or, you know, in the first probably year, you need to recognize that you're not going to be able to get to do all of the things that you were doing before you had kids. I mean, just going to the like dinner, (laughs) just walking out of the house to try to go to the store by yourself doesn't happen anymore you know, or it's the two of you probably can't go. One of you is going to stay back with the baby because, you know, if you have a colicky baby, you don't want to bring the baby in the car. Some kids will very much scream and cry the minute you put them in that car seat. So you got to just be real aware that that's about to happen and be okay with that. Right. And then, you know, have conversations around, you know, this is really important to me. How are we going to make sure that I'm getting this time or you're getting this time and you know, as, as the mom, we can't always play martyr either. Like, well, he always gets to go work out, but I don't, you know, well, are you scheduling the time? You know, are you making that happen? And sometimes, you know, some moms don't want to. And so for whatever reason, but if you don't want to, to expect your partner not to want to either, um, isn't necessarily fair. So it's a lot of the stuff I'm talking about is requires conversation. And the issue that I find is that because nobody realizes this or couples aren't realizing this is going to happen and this transition is going to be hard on the marriage, they don't have these conversations. And then when they want to, or these things, thoughts are coming into their brain, it's after the baby's here and they're busy and they're tired and, and they're not having them when therapy feels like, how are we going to get to therapy? We have this new little baby. I can't leave the baby. Nobody can put the baby to bed the way that I can and so on and so forth. So I highly encourage people to get uh, what I call pre-baby therapy. Go talk to a therapist before your baby comes, particularly someone that might be trained in, you know, Gottman's bringing baby home because there's a whole lot that we can start, conversations we can start to have and bring up and talk about and like just me bringing to awareness. Like sometimes feel like I'm like, you're about to enter doom and gloom, but um, I'm just trying to be real. Like here's what's going to happen. I mean, the statistic is... 67% of couples experience a big drop in relationship satisfaction after the birth of their first baby. 67%. That is a large number. You know, so knowing that one kind of helps you think, okay, well, other people are going through this, so it's not just us, so that's cool. But also, it should really, like, drive home the fact that, like, go get some therapy, Go do eight, 10 sessions before that baby's born, just so that you're like, oh, this is something we talked about, that this was going to be hard. And that's why we started doing this ritual of having these meetings before the baby came so that we can kind of get back into this groove of talking through the stuff after we have baby, because we know it was important. We know that it worked. We know that we could talk about logistics and we can, you know, figure out what does, what does our week look like um, before baby comes where we feel like we have zero capacity left. As a partner, initiate conversations. Initiate conversations that have to do with the baby, right? So I know we talked about putting our baby or our child in preschool. Um, 
and I know you're thinking about trying to do a little bit more for yourself or go back to work or whatever it is, how should we approach this? If you are maybe the husband or the working parent, um, initiating these conversations is huge because the mental load that often falls on the primary caregiver is huge. And so if just that initiation of, I've been thinking about this, how do we want to approach this? Do you want me to look up some schools and you to look up some schools and then we come together? Do you want to look up some schools and narrow them down and then we tour them? I mean, taking time off work to go tour the schools, both parents, is huge. It's huge. It shows this true partnership that I think all of, all of us are really looking for. And moms or primary caregivers, if you need help, ask. And then if you ask for help and your partner helps, don't micromanage. That doesn't help. <laughs> Let them do it their way. You know, if they feel like, I had a really hard time doing this thing. Do you have some suggestions on how I can do it better? Then great, provide that advice. Otherwise, ask and walk away. You know, baby does often take center stage, and of course they're going to because they're adorable and they're, they need a lot from us. Um, basically, we're keeping them alive. Um, but it is important to make sure that you recognize that there is a marriage too. You know, I find that a lot of people, even if like, they might not be perfect, but like they can co-parent really well together. Um, their focus becomes being parents after they have children and they've lost sight of the fact that this, there's a marriage here. I mean, we had children because we got married and we wanted to make this family. And all of a sudden that becomes the end all be all versus the relationship. Um, and the relationship needs to be strong. You know, often what I see is couples have a baby, they are tired, their resentments start to get built, baby gets older, focuses on baby, baby turns into an elementary school age. Now we have all these activities, we have sports, we have, um, you know, family barbecues, and we're doing all this stuff and we're not um, nourishing the marriage. And then by the time first, second, third grade comes, you'll start to see divorce rates um, happen. And that's because the baby's out of that. Um, we're out of like survival mode and we haven't spent enough time nourishing the marriage. And now it doesn't feel, we're not very connected. We're not getting along. Um, resentment's built, been building, building up for so long. Um, it's hard to figure out a way back. So we need to do proactive work. If we know that to be the case, we need to make sure that we continue to work on the marriage while we're um, co-parenting. So do therapy. In that therapy, you will likely set up um, rituals that you start before the baby comes so that you will have them kind of become like ritualized and become habits. Um, and those will get pretty firm into place so that after baby, maybe sometime a couple weeks passes that you don't do them, um, but then you bring them back. So whether that's date night, having logistical meetings, sitting down and having conversations um, after the baby goes to bed, those rituals are very important. In that therapy, you're going to potentially work on issues that are going to come up. I mean, we find that the value sets start to become highlighted. The differences in those value sets become highlighted or um, more noticed 
after we have our babies. You know, we might say, oh, we had, you know, we have the same values. We want to be good people. Um, but then we get really entrenched in them, how we were raised or the things we want after we have our kids. So, you know, let's pull those things up and talk about them, you know, explore what those issues might be and how are we going to address them? How are we going to talk about conflict when we don't feel like we have enough time? You know, if you start to get, I teach a lot about, um, just better tools on conflict management. If you can learn those before baby comes, oh my God, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's a game changer. Um, I can tell you that you will likely not have time or you're going to believe that you don't have time to get help after you have the baby. So doing this proactively would be amazing. Now, if you're listening and you already have kids, it doesn't mean it's too late. You can still come in and start to work on this. Um, you know, I feel like if you're motivated and willing to change, any relationship can improve and get better. If you are hoping that your partner will change only and you're showing up with a lot of resentment, it's going to be harder. You know, no matter when you come in for therapy, I need both people to be willing and to be motivated to make this relationship better. If the goal is to make the relationship better, then we need to do things that are going to help achieve that goal. All right. Like I said in the beginning, it's a doozy. It's a game changer. It is hard having a child. It changes the dynamic of the relationship so severely in a way that I don't think you could any way understand until it happens to you, but it doesn't have to be all bad, right? Like it can be beautiful and the relationship can grow even more through raising kids together, but there are some tools and there are some skills and there are some things that I think we all need to learn conflict management being one of them. Um, but I think just the recognizing that it, it is a transition and that it is a very tough transition, that in and of itself is helpful because if you have no idea and you think this is only going to be rainbows and sunshine, then you're going to be let down. I'm telling you. So having some realistic expectations is kind of my goal for today that you walk away with after listening to this, that it is not going to be easy, but it can still be amazing. But get therapy, get some help, talk to somebody before you make and, and, and take on one of the most important roles of your entire life. Being a parent is by far the most challenging, rewarding experience of your life. And in my opinion, if we're going to take that on, we're going to need a little bit of support. So like always, you can reach out to me. I have resources. I have connections. And I also do anything um, virtually for couples in all different parts of the country. So let me know. Um, reach out. You can get a hold of me Um by looking at my bio, but I'll just let you know that my website is bethwileytherapy.com and then you can check out all the services I offer um, as well as a way to contact me if you have any questions um, or need any sort of help. 
I'm here. You know, this is, this is my calling. This is what I love to do. I love working with new parents. Um, because I remember when I had my son, my first child, I had about 10 friends (laughs) that had babies at the same time. And we all, all of us moms were like, oh my God, we had a really hard time with our partners. Um, and it wasn't all their fault. (laughs) It was just the things that the expectations we weren't aware of that were coming our way. So have a beautiful day and I will be back soon.